eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's get hyped. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 Hypecast, Wisconsin week. I am Mike Schaefer, and I am again imploring you to get hyped about Nebraska football in the year of 2022. I, I know it's difficult. I know that, uh, you know, the, the season is, is close to an end, and it wasn't the season that anybody wanted. But the Hypecast will be here every single week. And you'll listen to it because, frankly, what else do you have to do? It's Nebraska and it's November. So here we are. This week's special guest from the Omaha World Herald, we have Dirk Chatlin. Dirk, welcome into the Hypecast. It's great to be here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. <laughs> We're more than willing to talk uh, some Kirk Cousins. I mean, is this the best version of Kirk Cousins you've ever seen? That feels like a trick question. <laughs> it probably is. I don't. I don't know that there's a best version of Kirk Cousins that exists. The good news, the, the good news shape is there's no way he'll ever disappoint you. Uh, just prepare yourself uh, for just constant joy from Kirk Cousins. He will he will always step up to the plate in the big moments. My understanding of it is just a rocket ship, and it only just keeps going up. It could never possibly come back to Earth. That's how I'm okay. treating this season, and I refuse to acknowledge anybody that doesn't go along with me on that rocket ride. So, also here, Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts, welcome back. Hi, Schaefer. Brunts, Thank you. When, Brunts, which episodes do you decide are sport coat worthy and which ones do you decide are not? I've just started wearing a sport coat mid-season for the Hypecast to try to <laughs> try to switch things up a little bit. All right, well, that's nice of you. Has Nebraska, uh, has Nebraska won a game since you wore the sport coat? No, they, they have not. You introduced it post Rutgers. Uh, yes, that I think that was about. I think Purdue might have been the first time. So, but I'm just, well, I'm, le- I'm leaning into it. I'm dressing for the job I want. <laughs> what What is a job that you want? <laughs> middle, middle management for a fledgling tech company. I think is what I'm shooting for right now. Right, well, I'm sure there's openings at Twitter. So just keep yeah. an eye out. <laughs> can uh, we can get you that job with Ruby on? All right. The uh, hey, the let me sabotage this for a second. Remember when we were all like 25 to 28 years old and and just ambitious and like uh, you know, the whole world was out in front of us. Now, look at us, whatever, whatever happened to us, wearing sport coats on a 
podcast at nine in the morning on a Wednesday. That's what we're doing. Talking about a three-win Nebraska team as it takes on Wisconsin. Twenty-five-year-old <laughs> me would be somewhat confused. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a corn a corn sweatshirt here. So there you um, go. Yeah, we all made right. we all made the long journey back to the middle, as they say, in almost famous. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Nebraska, Wisconsin. I think as we have for the last like five weeks, we will start at the quarterback position. Brian Christopherson. Oh. <laughs> Casey Thompson, yay or nay? Well, I I think I have to say it. we're pre-recording this a little bit. So we'll see what information comes out throughout the uh the week to finish it out. Um I'm kind of midweek leaning uh yay, but if if that's been shot down by uh Friday, um so be it. If it's not, um Logan Smothers was I mean he was beat up. Something wasn't right going into the game in Michigan. I mean, he wasn't even out there uh, with the guys in the early warmups. Bruns can attest to the fact that media was scrambling a little bit. Like, is Logan even here? Like, you know, and uh, we're like, is that Jarrett Sinek out there, you know, or Sinek? I'm not sure yet um, how to pronounce his name. I'll be honest. Um, and Jarrett Sinek, Sinek could be the second string quarterback for Nebraska. Um on Saturday either way. But I, I kind of think Casey might make a go of it. And um, the question is, even if he does make a go of it, can he, can he be sort of the guy he was before the injury or is it going to be a deal where it's a, it's a real struggle for him? I, I think you got to really feel like he can kind of be that guy. Otherwise I don't think you want to risk it. Dirk as, as Nebraska prepares here at three and seven for a game against Wisconsin for the second straight year, that really just doesn't matter. I mean, they went into Madison last year. They weren't going to be able to make the playoff. The offensive coaching staff had been fired, and they made it a game. Do you anticipate that they can do that again in 2022 against a Wisconsin team that has all of its own demons, you know, that it's dealing with and has an interim coach and everything else going on? I do. I think this is probably one of those, you know, vintage Big Ten West uh uh, pillow fights. Uh, I think Wisconsin has enough flaws that if Nebraska doesn't completely uh, self-sabotage, uh, I think it'll be a four-quarter game. Uh, I was surprised to see the line as high as it was. I don't know about you guys, but um, I think if you know if if Casey can play and just sort of bring some, you know, a little bit of stability to the position. I don't know if he has to. I don't know if he has to throw the ball twenty-nine times, but uh, just. I think it's going to be one of those, uh, you know, shortened games that probably swings on a on a couple big mistakes, turnovers or special teams plays. And a year ago, we could pretty much count on Nebraska making the special teams mistake. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It just Wisconsin does not does not frighten me uh, in, in ways that even they did maybe a year ago. Um, you know, watching watching that Iowa loss last week was was not inspiring at all. So. Um, I think Wisconsin probably, well, we'll save the predictions till the end, but, but yeah, I do think Nebraska can find a way to hang in this thing for four quarters. Brunts, it was a, a rough week for Anthony Grant. I don't think it's a surprise that it was a rough week for Anthony Grant, given the front that Nebraska is going against in their own issues up front. And the fact that you can basically just play 10 in the box against Nebraska at, at the moment right now. So do, what do you, if let's say Casey Thompson plays, how much does that mean for Nebraska's ability to to get stuff done in the running game? 
because teams would at least have to respect the pass a little bit more. Yeah, well, there's even, even if Casey Thompson isn't 100%, I think there's probably value in just the threat of Casey Thompson, which I think is kind of what you're getting at. And I I think there's value there. I mean, I, I think, you know, Casey just kind of being there, there's a little bit more familiarity for even the line kind of knowing where he's going to be. I mean, it's I, I just kind of sometimes imagine being an offensive lineman and, and, you know, Chubba Purdy takes off running, you know, really quickly or Logan Smellers does too. And you're just kind of turning around like, what the hell's going on back there? Um, so I, I think there's some benefit there. I, I think, you know, Nebraska, again, I mean, every week we say this, you you have to get some kind of run game going and stick with it. Or if it's not working, I mean, as Mickey Joseph continues to say, you got to be happy with three and four yards. Nebraska has not been happy with three or four yards um, pretty much every week. So I, I don't know what's going to change there. But um, you know what? you kind of mentioned the way that Nebraska's offense has always kind of seemed to kind of have Wisconsin's number. I mean, I think part of that was a credit a little bit to Scott Frost because it seemed like his offense, for whatever reason, was a really tough matchup for Wisconsin. I don't know if maybe you can pull out some of that stuff that's worked in the past um, because there's at least some staffers that are still around. But, um, you know, you're going to – I think having Casey there at least will probably give a little bit of confidence to it, everybody in that offense that – you know, there's going to be a chance they can actually move the ball without just having it be a fire drill every play. BT, was some of the intrigue about Saturday just seeing who walked before the game? And now that we know Casey Thompson and, and Trey Palmer aren't, does the clock sort of start on on when they make a decision as to what their future is at Nebraska? Yeah. First off, by the way, Bruns had the best line of the day on Saturday up in the press box. You know when Michigan started throwing it that one series deep with J.J. McCarthy? He said, you got to be happy with nine yards. You know, with if you're Michigan, you got to be happy with your nine yards. Um, I would say as far as the walk stuff, um, I'm not going to read too much into it because it felt like last year and the last couple of years this has happened and some guys walked and then he, he was back and the guy who didn't walk wasn't back. There might be one or two cases where we sit up and we say, okay, that that's definitely somebody. I mean, the – the fact, I guess, Trey Palmer supposedly isn't walking, according to Mickey Joseph, what he said Tuesday is interesting. And if Mickey is around this program in whatever role, I do think there's a possibility he can keep a good number of the wide receivers he wants intact. Um, otherwise, there's going to be disruption there, probably. Um, but I didn't Colton Feast walk last year as like a sophomore? Or he, I don't the, remember. I mean, I mean, I think he did, but he was in the video or something. And, and I mean, he could be back two years after that. He could be back next year again. So that that's that's where I'd go with that. It. It's interesting, but I would also tell people whatever you see doesn't mean that that's set in cement or even close to it. I, I If I were on that team, I would embrace the absurdity. I would just walk every single year. <laughs> um, you know, who cares? I mean, this this whole – there's so many things that have been uprooted by COVID and transfers and eligibility and grad transfers. And uh, this this senior day ceremony has, has become a little bit of a, of a circus, uh, not just here but everywhere. So uh, I'm with you guys. I wouldn't make too much of it, but uh, I do think it's funny how – you know, sort of the randomness of this. It's like, okay, I'll walk out, whatever, introduce me. Uh, and, you know, I, I just, I don't know if we're going to have any clear answers for another month or two. Dirk, if I take Russell Wilson out of the equation, 
Who is the best Wisconsin quarterback over the last decade? Your options include. Hey, Brunt's just scowled at you, by the way. I got somebody mentioned Russell Wilson. I got triggered. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, this is a Broncos talk. We're, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to chime in here. Okay. Parker Gabriel isn't coming in through that door either to have a conversation. So we'll, we'll just keep it. We'll keep it college focused, but no Russell Wilson. Who's the best quarterback Wisconsin has had in these matchups against Nebraska? Would it be Bart Houston, Joel Stave, Dehenny O'Brien, Alex Hornibrook, Graham Mertz? Who do you want out of that group? Well, first of all, I'm pretty sure that you made up two of those names. Well, uh, I think they're all real. Uh, I think I think it's probably Hornibrook, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't They're know. They're all so bad. They're they all are. So bad. And it's, I, you, you guys follow the recruiting stuff way more than I do, but like, how does Graham Mertz go from, you know, being what he was to what he is? I mean, there's, if I was recruiting against Wisconsin at the quarterback position, I would just show them, I would show the prospect Graham Mertz's recruiting ranking. And then I would show that, you know, show the prospect his stat line at Wisconsin. And I would say, are you sure you want to go there? Um, now I'm sure people could do that with Nebraska too, but um, it's it's bleak, Shafe. I mean, it's it's is uh this is not uh this is not the 70 point Wisconsin offense that we saw in 2012. Uh, I Which would was point run out, by Joel Stave. Yeah, I would point out that uh you know to bring it all back home to the Vikings, you know one of the great first Big Ten games that I ever saw when Nebraska was part of the conference was Russell Wilson against Kirk Cousins. Uh, and you guys probably remember it well, but I, I think it ended on a on a near hail mary. So, um, you know, it's there's all sorts of uh, strange little symmetries here, but uh, I, I think I think uh, Wisconsin is is probably still one really good quarterback away from taking the leap to a to a national program, and they just haven't been able to do it. Why didn't you include John Budmeyer and Danny O'Brien in your list? I said Danny O'Brien. I didn't say the first one. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a real name to me either. To be oh, honest. it's real. And it's spectacular. <laughs> Thank you for the Seinfeld reference. Uh, with that, I guess we'll just go directly to Brunts. I mean, what, I don't know how much Wisconsin you've watched this year and God help you if it's more than three quarters, but as you've watched this team, how are they so far removed from just two years ago, being able to line it up and run the ball? At people? Like it, they seem like that's a struggle for them right now. I uh, I have not <clears throat> I've not watched a lot of Wisconsin. I have to be honest there. I think part of it, um, my understanding is, is that perhaps the offensive line is not as good as it has been in the past. Um, I think you know you, you don't kind of have that. Like Wisconsin felt like they had that recipe, like a good offensive line, a couple running backs that you could count on, a quarterback that you know, wouldn't throw up all over his shoes in key moments and like maybe one wide receiver and a tight end that could kind of get things done. And it feels like they don't necessarily have those last couple pieces uh, this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, I I think that's not helped. I think the offense was just kind of a mess towards the end of uh, Paul Chris' tenure there. And, you know, they're good defensively, but I don't know that they're as good as they have been. So, I mean, I, I think the problem is, is that you maybe haven't had the kind of next guy up, so to speak, to replace those few pieces that you've always been able to lean on in the past. So 
I don't know. It's I, I've done a couple like interviews with Wisconsin folks this week, and it's been very much like, man, we got some problems, some really bad problems. And like, it, it basically feels like Wisconsin and Nebraska are those two guys sitting at the end of the bar in Kenosha on like their seventh Miller light, just talking about how bad things have been. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was a little surprised that things have kind of fallen out the way that they have for Wisconsin so quickly. And the, the, the crazy thing is, is they're still right in it for the Big Ten West because that's how this works. That is how hey, this hey, works. Chase, isn't it, isn't it interesting how, like, how this interim head coach thing can backfire? Um, you know, I think the hope probably up there was that, that Leonard would sort of spark the program and they'd go on a run. And they, you know, they, they were playing better, I guess, until last week. But now you've kind of – you show your fan base that the shiny new toy is not quite as shiny and new as they thought. And, you know, now if you name him the, the permanent head coach, it takes a lot of the enthusiasm out of the offseason because you've already, you've already kind of seen the way he is, I guess, on game day. Um, you know, and I, I think you can make a, a case that, that it's, it's hurt Mickey, I think too, at least the, the last few weeks, uh, at least his chances too. So, um, the interim thing I think sounds good on paper, but, but, uh, boy, when you don't have a, a lot of talent in the cupboard, I think it can backfire. Yeah. Well, I, the idea of an interim coach having to go nine weeks in Mickey's case or nine games. And then I think for Leonard, it's like eight. I mean, that's a lot of time to be saddled with coaches that you probably aren't picking. You know, when, when, if both of those guys were to get the job and they get to the off season, I highly doubt Jim Leonard's running the same offense that Paul Christ is running. He's probably starting over with a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback, a new quarterback coach. And so it, it is kind of tough because your initial impression of these guys is for both of them. You, you thought it maybe would go a little bit better, but some of the reality is they still have to work with the mess they inherited. Like it's, you know, it's still a mess. They're just now the one in charge of it. And I think that's probably even more true for Mickey uh, than for, for Jim Leonard. I want to finish up defensively here, BC, talking about the secondary. Nebraska slowed down when Michigan attempted to to kind of throw the ball on them. Some of that was was J.J. McCarthy, and, and they have some issues downfield passing. Some of that, though, I feel like is Nebraska's secondary – which I went into the year thinking could be a strength of this team really started slow, but I guess from my vantage point, there might not be a group that's playing better football right now than, than Nebraska secondary. And they're getting, they're getting good performances from Quentin Newsom. They're getting good performances from uh, you know, some of the young guys like Malcolm Hartzog and, and Marquise Buford. What have you seen from the secondary these last few weeks? Yeah, I think Newsom's been pretty solid. And, and Hartzog, you'd have to say, is one of those two or three young guys on the defense who, I guess, if you want to cast a bright light amid the fog, that he would be that. Um, I thought he did hold up pretty well. Even the times Hartzog has been beat this year, um, he's been right there. Like, his coverage is, is, is on point. Uh, there is the whole question about is he a little undersized and all that, but I think he's shown he can make up for that pretty well. And those who are familiar with Husker history knows know there have been some great cornerbacks who are uh, smaller guys who just had the other traits. Um, I think the end of this seat or the last couple of games are as much about that side of the ball, I think at least has a chance to establish like, okay, there's four or five guys here. You're like, they're kind of uh, something you can build off of for the whoever's next up going into next year. 
and that would be Ernest Hausman. That would be Malcolm Hartzog. Isaac Gifford is going to play a lot of football for Nebraska the next couple of years. Um, and I, I'm leaving somebody out, but the, the, there's three or four guys, I think, that are that are in that line. And and to your question about the secondary, I think Hartzog has been a, a helpful part there. He's He's been able to lock down his side where you don't feel like you're you're just going to you you have a guy out on an island you can't trust. He's immediately earned trust. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is that time in the program where we make pointlessly specific predictions, oddly specific predictions, that sometimes come true. Like last week, I predicted that Ernest Hausman would get his first career sack. He did. We've uh, we've had a couple other hits this year. So let's see what we can come up with for the Wisconsin game. Uh, Dirk, we'll we'll get to you in a little bit, so you can you can listen to to Michael Brunt's wax poetically, usually about tight ends and how many yards and how many touchdowns they're going to get. And sometimes it comes through. Brunts, where are you going? Yeah, we're going tight end um, per usual. I, I think here's what I'm looking for. It's senior day for Travis Vokalek. We know that he will be walking and we know that he will be moving on. I think we see a, a nice close to Travis Vokalek's career at Nebraska at home. I think we see a Travis Vokalek touchdown. I, I'm not, I, I don't think it's going to get, I'm not getting wild here with the score, but I think Nebraska. If Casey Thompson doesn't play, Nebraska's lone offensive touchdown will be a 12-yard pass to Travis Vokalek somewhere out in the flat where he gets caught up in the wash. I don't know how you lose him. Big guy. Uh, 12-yard touchdown. He, he catches it in the flat, rumbles in, uh, kind of does his little um, celebration that he's kind of started doing after every touchdown. Um, so that, that's two of them. 12 yards, Travis Vokalek, touchdown. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. Alante Brown will attempt to pass on Saturday. Former quarterback, high school quarterback, Alante Brown, he could be the emergency quarterback for all we know in Nebraska's ridiculous situation this year in which they might go, you know, five deep at the position. But Alante Brown will attempt a pass on Saturday. That is my prediction. BC. I thought you were going to say – he was going to score his first touchdown, um, which mm. he, yep. uh, but by the way, a quick Alante note, he was, he's a little bit questionable, but I think he, he could pop back, but Mickey said he was questionable on Tuesday because uh, of the, <laughs> the hurdle gone wrong, mm. I guess, but uh, Mickey appreciated it. And I kind of did too. He, he's kind of uh, built like that. 
Um, I was going to say to uh, Travis Vokalek that all the tight ends are going to walk out arm in arm with him on senior day and just say, if he's a senior, I'm a senior. And they're, we're, we're brothers in arms. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say Nebraska scores a defensive touchdown. Remember when Aaron Williams, was it Aaron Williams? Picked sure, that it was. Pass it was 2017. The place, the place was on fire. I mean, it was just like, man, and the madhouse. And then Wisconsin rammed it down Nebraska's throat on like three 80 yard drives or they just handed it to Jonathan Taylor 10 times each drive. Um, I remember it as Luke Gifford got massively held right in front of the official <laughs> on third down. That's wasn't, what I that, remember. wasn't that the year there, the night they're honoring the pipeline at Nebraska too, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, uh, but anyway, Nebraska is going to score a defensive touchdown and it's going to come from Isaac Gifford on a, a 23 yard pick run back to match his number um, and uh, give Nebraska a fighting shot. Will he just be screaming into the camera after he scores? This is for Luke. Might. He do might, you, do yeah. you guys not remember the play that I'm talking? I like. I went back and watched it earlier this year because it's one of the most ridiculously heinous non-holding calls that you can imagine. Luke Gifford's just running completely free, and it looks like one of those hooks during the Gong Show just grabs him by the neck and pulls him back. And it's just yeah. like the official standing right there. And then Hornybrook dumps off a two-yard pass that goes for 27 in a first down. Like, it's just – it was horrible. There, there was, was like a, an eight – there was like an eight-year run where Wisconsin didn't get called for a holding penalty, I believe. Yeah. I, I think I talked about it on this podcast, and there was a guy from Wisconsin that listened to it, and he sent me this, like, 3,500-word expose about why that wasn't really a hold and – even if it was a hold, they probably had 50 other calls that they missed that day. And I'd still regard it as one of just horrible, horrible call. Anyway, sorry, Dirk, back to you. You know your, what I your miss? Prediction. What I really miss, and I'm sorry to go off on a tangent here, but uh, in the old days when there were actually punt returns, uh, there were every game, there was like an argument about that, uh, an argument like that about a clip. Was that a clip? Mm. Was that a block in the back? Uh, and I, I mean, you can go back through Nebraska games, all the big games through history, there's like a 50, 50 shot that there was a, you know, a big, was it, or was it not a clip? Uh, I found myself randomly watching the 1989 Nebraska Colorado game like two weeks ago. And Jeff Campbell has these two huge punt returns and each of them are sort of controversial. And it's like, good God, it, it was so much of that back then. Um, so today's hold is yesterday's clip, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, in, in thinking about these Wisconsin games, I, I can't remember if I'm like, if I'm visualizing what I think is going to happen or if I'm subconsciously remembering something that actually did happen, like in one of the previous eight losses to Wisconsin. Um, but, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Garrett Nelson gets a strip sack, uh, that, that forces Nebraska's only turnover of the day. So I think Nelson, uh, I think Nelson will be playing with his hair on fire. And uh, I think he creates a turnover. Nebraska's only turnover against Wisconsin. All right. Uh, Pick to click player that you think will have a good day on Saturday. BC. Um, I'll I'll stick defense. I'll go with Ernest Hausman. I think he's, he's riding a hot hand right now. And I I think he, he said after the game at the big house that he now feels like he belongs and he looks like he does. And, uh, I mean, that sack he had in open space, that's a play a lot of veterans don't make. The way he accelerated on that and had it contained any held and then, boom, I, I got it. 
I think Hausman is is going to keep climbing. I, I he's a he's a rare. We too often get excited about a young guy, then he just stays put. We don't see him grow at Nebraska. I I I have a lot of confidence in Hausman growing. BC's buying a lot of Ernest Hausman yeah. stock. Dirk, who you got? Yeah, I was going to pick Hausman too. Uh, I thought he, you know, I, I I'm a firm believer that you know once you play at the highest level against the toughest teams, uh, you know the team after that or teams after that, you know, when they're not as good, you just, you just keep climbing. And similar to what BC said, I think you're going to see a, a progression here based largely on the confidence that he gained at Michigan. So uh, I think Hausman has a big day on Saturday. I am going to go with Marquise Buford, who I think gets not one, but two Graham Mertz gifts right to the bread basket when he attempts to make a throw over the middle of the field and he sails it like he does every third throw. Marquise Buford will be there to collect, and he will return one, and you'll think to yourself, is he going to make it all the way? But he will not. He will not make it all the way. He will be cut down short. But two interceptions for Marquise Buford on Saturday. Brunch? Wow. Get a couple uh, Columbus High grads on the uh, the hype cast, and it's just Ernest I didn't Hausman. even say Ernest Hausman. Big earn all the time. Uh I, I'm going to go with Timmy Bleak Road. I think this game has strong potential for a lot of stalling out in the red zone. Um, I Again, Vokalek's going to catch that only offensive touchdown pass of the game. I think you're going to see three Bleak Road uh, field goals in this game. And I don't think they're going to be overly long. I, I Probably in the 35-yard variety. That one at Michigan last week kind of scared me a little bit, how uh, it just kind of crept over the, the crossbar. So they're not going to look great, but they're going to go through. So three uh, three bleak road field goals for me. That was that was Jordan Congdon-like, Brents. It, it, it hung. It, it hung a long time. He, he, he definitely hit the gap wedge when he probably needed about an eight iron there. When you mention Jordan Congdon, I think about how Nebraska went for it on fourth and 13 in the the Cotton Bowl instead of kicking a 42-yard field goal or whatever it was because Jordan Congdon, the nation's number one kicker, couldn't kick it over 40 yards. That's what I think about. Anyways. Anyways. All right. Prediction time. Anybody doing it? Anybody getting bold? Dirk. Uh, I think Nebraska covers, but I think it's 20 to 16 Wisconsin, uh, similar to Brunts. I see, uh, I see a lot of field goals in this game on both sides. Um, and I think Wisconsin probably, you know, just has a little bit more winning DNA at this point. So, uh, I think in a very close game in which Nebraska pulls out all the stops, uh, schematically and emotionally, I think they come up just short in a 20 to 16 loss. Brunts? Uh, well, we know what my Nebraska score is, um, but I'm going to say 23, Wisconsin 23, Nebraska 16. Um, and I, I think you get Jim Leonard named the, uh, the head coach at Wisconsin, not in the locker room, uh, but maybe shortly after they, uh, they get back to Madison. That that's, uh, that's my prediction. A bonus, oddly specific prediction. BC. Yeah. I think we're all in the same sort of area, uh, I, I'd say Wisconsin 22 to 17. A lot of this depends on Casey, really. I mean, if he's if Casey's full health and, and can give you something, I think Nebraska's in it to the end. If he's not, I don't have any faith in that offense, which what, what how many touchdowns they have since that injury? None? One? 
Um, They've got one in the last, what, seven and yeah. seven and a half. I mean, it's it's just been going nowhere. So I, I say 22-17. It's a little bit tricky, though, without knowing the Casey status and sort of what they can do there. Wisconsin sucks. Nebraska wins 20-17 to 17 in Ooh. overtime. First time they scored in overtime in years. Timmy Bleak Road game winner. The fans storm the field. They don't storm the field. But the players lift Timmy Bleak Road up, carry him <laughs> off the field like he's Lane McCallum and it's Northwestern and it's 2019. Nebraska wins 20-17 to 17 in overtime. The curse is broken. The losing streak is dead. Fans feel a little bit better. And Iowa week is upon us. All right, Guys, gentlemen. This this feels like a, a Twitter poll more than a than a podcast discussion, but who is the bigger thorn in Nebraska's side in 10 years of the Big Ten? Is it Iowa or Wisconsin? I think it's Iowa. I mean, I, I really do. Like they <clears throat> Nebraska hasn't beaten them since 2014. Um, they could have went to a bowl game or could have qualified for non-losing seasons. I think three out of those those losses. Um, they basically have been in every one of those games except for two. What, like the 20, 2017 and 2016, they got absolutely annihilated. Otherwise, it's been basically a three-point game uh, or a one-score game every single time. Uh, Nebraska's had the ball and a chance to win in every single one of those games, uh, aside from 2016-17. For me, it's Iowa. Um, the Wisconsin game, other than 2017, and, and I guess, you know, you have the the one where 2015 they could have ran the clock out they had to punt it back, and then last year. Otherwise, it hasn't been that close when they played. You just named three games in which it was razor close. Eh. 2012, they they you know they lose their Big Ten championship shot. That wasn't close. 2015 was like the all time gut punch loss. I mean, I think Mike Riley's still probably feeling the pain of that. Uh, it's I'm just saying it's an underrated you know, gut punch, uh, opponent it's Fair. for, for as, as often lopsided as it's been there, Nebraska has, uh, has wasted a lot of chances too. many, many people were, were getting ready to book Rose bowl flights in 2012. Like that's, that's how close they were. And you just got your pants absolutely pulled down on national TV. I that's- actually even forgot about 2016 where Nebraska lost the division title and then their mojo in that game in overtime. So I think, Actually, Dirk has, has convinced me it might be Wisconsin. And Shafe, 2014 was like the end of the Pelini era. I mean, Melvin Gordon single-handedly ruined Bo Pelini's career at Nebraska. They were, Nebraska what was the score? Digits. They were up double digits in that game in the there second we quarter. We, this has been mentioned at least four times this Hold year. Hold on a second. One more thought. I, I remember we just, by happenstance, stayed in the same hotel as Nebraska the night before that game. And... I saw John Papuchas in the lobby the night before the game and we were just, you know, making small talk. And, and he said something to the effect of, yeah, if we can just make tackle, if we can just tackle in space tomorrow, I, I really like our chances. And, uh, Ooh, they didn't. It wasn't a lot of tackling, a lot of space. So a lot of space. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, anything, anybody wants to get off their chest before this rousing Nebraska, Wisconsin game occurs on Saturday. That silence tells you everything you need to know about why you should be hyped for Nebraska, Wisconsin. The Hypecast thanks you for joining us. We'll be back with more podcasts. Of course, the Sunday side session will be on Sunday following the game. We'll talk about what we saw and then leading up for Black Friday. We'll have, we'll certainly have a Hypecast for next week, 
the podcast schedule will have to get figured out with it being a shortened week. But all the coverage you need will be at Husker 24-7. Dirk, thank you for joining us. Great to be with you guys. For Michael Brunts and Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. Check out Husker 24-7. We'll catch you next time. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.